Modern. 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 We're prepping for a voyage. Modern. The force of an old-fashioned equals whiskey mass times bitters acceleration. Why don't you make that a double? Modern Bar Cart. What's shaking, cocktail fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Bar Cart Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Koslick, and in this episode, we take a look at some of the more unusual cocktail ingredients that are used in the bars and households where bold flavors make curious drinks. But first, a few announcements for you. Announcement one. Our Embitterment Bitters 30ml sampler packs are now available for purchase on modernbarcart.com in the e-commerce section of our site. We launched this product, if you recall, back at Emporium a few weeks ago uh, in D.C., and they've been selling off the shelves as quick as we can replace them. So, uh, a little bit more information on this. The set contains our aromatic orange, lavender, and chocolate bitters, so it's a great gift for someone who's just starting their home bartending journey, or alternatively, if you don't want to commit to our larger 100 ml bottles of all those flavors. And since we're on the topic of e-commerce, I figured what I would do is the holidays are coming. So for all you amazing podcast listeners out there, wanted to show you our gratitude for you tuning in every week. And we're going to offer you free shipping on any order of $20 or more. So what do you got to do? All you have to do to get that free shipping is enter the code Holiday Pod 17, all one word, H O L I D A Y P O D 17 at checkout, and let us pick up the shipping tab on all your holiday orders over 20 bucks. This offer expires on December 15th, just to give us all enough time to get those gifts moving toward you before we head out on our own holiday breaks. So please do head over to the e-commerce section of modernbarcart.com and start filling those shopping carts. Grab some gift sets and let us know how you like them. Announcement two, if you live in the DC metro area, we've got some holiday pop-up market appearances live and in person coming up where you can come hang out with us, sample all of our products and pick up all the bitter syrups and other stuff you might need for your mixological holiday gifts and creations. We're splitting our time between two really excellent holiday markets here in D.C. The Wundergarten Holiday Pop-Up in Northeast D.C. near the Noma Metro and the Van Ness Made in D.C. Pop-Up, which is located right near the Van Ness Metro. So two red line opportunities for you, one in Northwest, one in Northeast. We'll be at the Wundergarten on December 2nd, 10th, and 16th. And we'll be at the Van Ness pop-up on December 3rd, 9th, and 17th. So definitely hit us up at one of those events if you're in the area three weeks in a row. And we've got links to both of those markets in the show notes. Finally, announcement three. As you know, we've been some dropping some hints about a new product line that we're going to be launching. And we've been busy little bees here at Modern Bar Card. Over the last couple months, we've launched... Our cocktail syrups, sly syrups and garnishes, as well as those awesome sampler packs of bitters I was just talking about. But we're not done yet. 
In the next month, we'll be launching a brand new line of innovative and culturally inspired cocktail bitters that celebrate flavors from around the world. But the way this works on the logistical side of things is that you have to purchase a lot of bulk packaging and ingredients to keep prices reasonable. So to make sure that we can get this new line of cocktail bitters out to you quickly, uh, we're turning to the community to help us take this next big step towards scaling our business. And what you can do is you can help us out by contributing to our zero interest crowdfunded loan powered by the good people at Kiva, K-I-V-A, which is a socially responsible lending organization. If you're interested in helping us with this crowdfunding campaign, all you got to do is head over to the show notes page and follow the link to our Kiva loan page. And this lending process is super simple. All you got to do is create a quick account. Um, You can donate using a credit card or with PayPal. And if you do that, we're going to sweeten the deal yet again. If you email podcast at modernbarcart.com with simple proof of your successful donation, maybe a screenshot or an email receipt, then we'll send you a bottle of our Embitterment Organic Bitters, any flavor you'd like, as a gift and appreciation of your contribution, completely free. So I know that was a lot of updates, but that's how it goes when you keep on cranking out new products every other month like we do. So we're excited to get your feedback on all these things, whether it's the syrups or the gift sets or those new bitters that are right around the corner. So please do keep those comments rolling into the podcast inbox. We could not do this without you. Now for today's episode. This is another theme episode where we team up with a group of cocktail geniuses and outlaws, aka my friends, to collect a bunch of different takes on a central question in cocktails. Today's topic is unusual cocktail ingredients, either those you've tasted in a cocktail or those you'd like to see more often. I think many of us have had the experience of sitting down at one of the more experimental cocktail bars and you take a look at the menu and you say, you got to be kidding me. How the heck are you going to use that in a cocktail? And the results in reality are usually mixed. Sometimes the unusual ingredients are well incorporated and well thought out and the drink's tasty. And sometimes it's, you know, just there for the novelty factor and the drink unfortunately isn't balanced. So we're going to kind of riddle our way through some of the more common and less common unusual cocktail ingredients, maybe the ones that are trending and the ones that haven't gotten popular just yet. And to do that, uh, we're going to deal with this group of individuals who I'll introduce in no particular order. We've got Charlie Birkinshaw of Element Shrub, Josh Wolf of the Wolf Cocktail Den, Maria Littlefield of the Owls Brew, Chris Kurtz from Socktails.co, Valerie Echeveste from Cocktails and Craft, and Jordan Wicker of the Speaking Easy podcast. We're going to jump right in here and let Jordan kick it off with his thoughts on a little molecule called NACL. So I think that I'm, I don't know if it's the most unusual, I was trying to rack my brain on that, but the one that I find the most curious, I guess, is, is different brines. Uh, pickle brine or olive brine or uh, there were a few others that I've had recently, surprisingly enough on uh, bar menus that 
uh, puzzle me. It's not a flavor that I am familiar with or comfortable with at, in, in my home bar. It's also, brine tends to be uh, saline in, in flavor, so it tends to remind me of, I've made this joke a couple times recently, uh, but it reminds me of the uh, envelope adhesive that you have to lick. Um, mm. And so balancing that well with uh, different flavors, uh, pulling out, muting kind of that super saltiness in a way that is is palatable is something that um, I'm particularly interested in because I haven't I haven't done well with it, um, and I also, to be honest, am and am highly critical of it. And when I buy a drink, uh, so I think that the brine the brine is uh, of of any sort is kind of my uh, curiosity at the moment. And it's interesting because I think that there's some, that there's a, I'm sure there's scientific backing to it, but there's this conventional wisdom in the cooking world that says if you add a pinch of salt to something sweet, like, for example, um, salted caramel. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to enhance the sweetness of it, so I think there is some some promise to a brine, or a, just I guess the concept so, of NaCl in a cocktail. No, oh, absolutely, um, because another thing that I've recently introduced myself to is in a bigger way is sherry cocktails and a fino sherry is also sort of saline um, in flavor and I've gotten better at, at using those um, and so I, I think I'm learning those lessons I, I don't tend to naturally lean towards a sweet drink and so I've hesitated to go there but understanding that balance and going maybe a little sweeter maybe normally kind of one of my crutches is, is always citrus juice and that doesn't tend for me that hasn't tended to work out in that situation so finding kind of a new crutch a new tool to kind of use that flavor and utilize that flavor better is is, is something that i'm i'm still developing if you think about the tastes you're usually trying to balance in a cocktail you've got sweet sour and occasionally bitter but rarely salty Sweet and sour have something in common in that they're two sides of the same coin. Sweet indicates sugar, carbohydrates, and sour indicates the presence of an acid that has acted upon those carbohydrates. In some instances, this can indicate spoilage, uh, as in the case of spoiled or rotten food. But in many cases, it's just a normal chemical reaction within the bounds of edibility. No cause for concern. But salt has no relationship to carbohydrates. It's a molecule unto itself that has a completely different role in the way our body functions. And in fact, the taste receptors on your tongue that sense salt operate in a slightly different way than all the other taste buds in your mouth, which makes them unique. I think the lesson here is that a little salt or brine in a cocktail can go a long way. So often, we hear about people pouring tons of olive juice into their dirty martinis, but I find that a lot of these folks have killed their taste buds by smoking or doing something else that makes it difficult for them to perceive subtle changes in flavor. But for the rest of us, taking Jordan's advice and experimenting with slightly saline fino sherry or maybe even an eily scotch like Laphroaig can be a great first step toward unlocking the mysteries of salt in cocktails. Next up, we've got Charlie Birkinshaw, who takes us from salty to savory. So one of the most unusual ingredients we've ever used is uh, roasted garlic. And uh, we 
have sort of, I, I don't have a bartending background, so a lot of our cocktails are sometimes inspired by the food uh, that we make. And, uh, and so I wanted to do a uh, sort of a fun riff, almost on like a, a chicken soup kind of, but it sounds terrible. Oh, I love it. That sounds so <laughs> cool. But, but it actually worked out. We, we made a dish um, from uh, this chef that we really love, Otolenghi, and uh, the dish was uh, some some roasted garlic and carrots that uh, was baked in uh, actually Angostura bitter, a combination of Angostura bitters and orange juice. And so the garlic was roasted, but kind of flavored with Angostura bitter, bitters and orange juice. And then we took it out and created a simple syrup with it so it was both sweet and savory and then we combined it with some bourbon and our lemon mint shrub and uh it was really really interesting oh that sounds really really good uh yeah and in fact in fact i started when, when we uh when we made this cocktail we I, I sort of sent it out to the to the ether and said, "Hey, if there's anybody else who's interested in, in using kind of a strange ingredient, uh, let me know. Tag us in your photo." And uh, and the result was some really really cool uh, experiments that, that people had done, including barbecue sauce and and other really interesting ingredients and cocktails. What I love about Charlie's approach to this Angostura spike chicken soup simple syrup is that it arose organically from a dish inspired by one of his favorite chefs. That's always a great place to start. And to be clear, when Charlie says savory here, we're talking about more of a vegetal savoriness that's derived from the volatile flavor compounds found in the carrots and garlic and then balanced out by the sweetness, bitterness, and acidity in the Angostura bitters and orange juice. And I think this is such a great example of the approach we should take when dealing with these ingredients because we've got that one big player, garlic. But even before it's incorporated into the cocktail, Charlie has already started to look for balance in that simple syrup with all the other ingredients he's incorporated. I think that's a really smart way to go about it because it just has you set up from, for success from the beginning in that that garlic is not going to overpower. It's going to come in balanced, which kind of sets the cocktail up for success. Next up, we're going to stay in the vegetable realm, but move into the kind of nuts and seeds category with Chris Kurtz. Yeah, I think and the answer to this is really just one answer. Um, and it's not that strange, but sesame seed. Um, I've had a sesame old fashioned and it was definitely one of the best drinks I've ever had, one of the best cocktails. And I really don't see that a lot. And I would love to see more sesame based drinks out there. You really don't need a whole lot of sesame to make it uh, really come through. Uh, but that, that would definitely be my answer there. For sure. So now I've got a couple follow-ups on that one. Do you remember any of the, I guess the, the primary question would be, do you remember what whiskey was used in that cocktail? Um, I believe it was a rye old fashioned. Uh, I don't, it was at a bar. I can't remember exactly what else, but it was definitely rye. Okay. That's awesome. I think that's really good insight because what I'm picking up on with the sesame is that it's definitely super savory. And I think mm -hmm. with a very sweet bourbon, that could be a little bit overpowering, but with a spicy rye, I think there's enough fight there to kind of accommodate that. 
Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It was like the perfect mix of both flavors. Cool. And do you know how they integrated it into the cocktail? Because what I'm thinking here is that sesame is generally an oil and oils are a little bit difficult. So was it, did they like mud, literally muddle sesame seeds in the glass and then create the old fashioned or was it like a sesame bitters or, or do you remember anything about that? There's an inherent dilemma when it comes to incorporating oils or lipids into cocktails and it's that oil and water don't mix and the controlling ingredient in most cocktails is water. So how do you do it? If I had to guess, um, I've seen some like sesame extracts, which you almost have to like water down because they're so strong and they're so concentrated. My guess is they use some form of that. I didn't see any like muddling or anything. Uh, maybe they made their own kind of like sesame simple syrup or sesame liqueur, but yeah, no muddling. I'd, I'd actually love to go back there and, and pay attention this time. You know, maybe it was fat washed, as weird as that sounds. Yeah. Um, absolutely could be because I'm thinking with the oil, if you want to take an oil and extract a flavor in a drink, you can, you know, basically for our listeners, the process of fat washing something is you take a fat or an oil, you get it down to liquid form and which generally means heating it or getting it to a temperature where it is a liquid. And then you mix it with your spirit and then you chill down that entire, um, product and you skim the fat the the fat that then separates out on the top and you take that off and what's what's left behind is the flavor of the fat but not the actual fat itself so i guess the moral of the story here is if you want to maybe get some of those maybe more savory umami glutamate uh, or fat fatty flavors that fat washing might be a process to check out yeah, I think I've, I've seen like bacon vodkas or bacon infused anything. I think that's usually how they do that. Want to know how to fat wash a spirit? I'm going to literally read you a page out of Liquid Intelligence, which is a book by Dave Arnold. And if you don't have this book, buy it. It's amazing. We talk about it a lot here on the podcast. Enough said. On the subject of fat washing, Dave says, Fat washing is simple. Anyone can do it. Pick a flavorful fat or oil. Common choices are butter, bacon fat, olive oil, peanut butter, sesame oil, whatever. Whatever fat you choose, make sure it tastes good. Just because you like bacon doesn't mean all bacon fat is good. Properly rendered bacon fat is delicious. Fat from overcooked bacon is gross. Butter that has been unwrapped in your fridge is gross. Your fat needs to be fresh and delicious. Next, ask yourself how strong your fat is. Smoky bacon fat is strong in flavor. Butter is more delicate. With stronger flavored fats, use a ratio of around 120 grams or 4 ounces of fat per 750 ml of liquor. With butter, I use closer to 240 grams or 8 ounces per 750 ml. If your fat is solid at room temperature, melt it. If not, move on. Add the fat to your liquor in a wide mouth container. Close it and shake the container. You shake to increase the surface area where the liquor contacts the fat. The wide mouth container will make it easier for you to get the liquor separated from the fat later on. Let the liquor rest an hour or so, agitating it every once in a while for the first half hour, and then proceed to the next step. Most of the fatty stuff should have floated to the top by now. Place the container of liquor and fat in the freezer. Most fats will form a nice puck at the top after a couple hours in the freezer, and just poke a hole in the fat 
pour the clear flavored liquor through a coffee filter into a bottle and you're done. If your fat will not solidify, olive oil won't for example, you can use a gravy separator or a separatory funnel, that's what I use, to separate the fat from the liquor. So there you have it, a little advice on how to go about fat washing from Dave Arnold of Liquid Intelligence. So far we've covered salty and savory or umami flavors in cocktails, but what else is there in the world of strange cocktail ingredients? Maria Littlefield has some thoughts on an odd savory ingredient that completely changed the texture of her drink. I live in New York City and uh, you know there's a lot of really awesome cocktail bars and a lot of times you get cocktails and you're like, what is this? <laughs> um, so I think there's a lot of unusual uh, unusual things happening in cocktails right now, which is awesome. You know, there's a ton of creativity going into them and there's bitters for everything you can imagine and all that. But um, I will say that I had a bone marrow Negroni one time. And I think that that was probably the most unusual thing I've ever had. Um, I'm not sure I would have it again, uh, but it was definitely interesting and worth trying and props to all the creativity for, for using bone marrow in a cocktail. The bone marrow in the Negroni, how was that used? <laughs> it was it was basically blended in. It was It kind of had like a thicker consistency as the cocktail. Interesting. Okay. Um, and it was like a little bit salty. It was, it was interesting. Bone marrow is certainly an off-the-wall way to add creaminess and fattiness to your cocktail. And to be honest, I don't know if the Negroni would have been my first choice for a cocktail that needs beefing up. But there are some ways you can start thickening your cocktails at home without having to saw open the femur of a dead animal. Easy examples are dairy products like cream or even coconut cream and animal products like egg whites, or even an egg white substitute like aquafaba, which you can use to inch your way into the world of thicker cocktails. But if adding more texture to your drink isn't up your alley, maybe you should play around with a bit of spice. Here's Josh Wolf on his favorite spicy cocktail ingredient. The most unusual ingredient I've ever seen in a cocktail, and I love it so, but you have to be very careful about it in terms of the ratio is horseradish. And that would be in vodka. Because, you know, you know, my lineage, my heritage is from that part of Europe where horseradish is a beautiful thing. And it is and can be a beautiful thing. But like many ingredients, it's one of those things you have to be very judicious in the amount that's used, otherwise it'll overpower everything. And my suggestion would be, if you're gonna experiment with this at home, start with a little bit, because you can always add, but you cannot subtract. I can't emphasize that last point enough. Infusing a spirit with a volatile ingredient like horseradish, or anything spicy for that matter, is a delicate art. You want to capture the character of the ingredient, not harness its properties to create a nuclear reaction on your taste buds. So always start with a small amount of your infused ingredient and then work your way up from there. Finally, we've come full circle through salt and fat and fire to the world of growing things for our final unusual cocktail ingredient, courtesy of Valerie Echeveste of Cocktails and Craft. Yeah, so I've seen like rosemary being used in a cocktail, so kind of more along the lines of herbs to get more of a earthy 
like taste in the cocktail, but I've also seen like pine needles, like from tree, think like tree pine needles um, in cocktails. And so I'm really interested in trying that, of bringing more of this like earthy, kind of like Christmassy holiday feeling into an actual glass. I don't know exactly how you would do it, but I think there's a lot to explore there. Pine and other woodsy aromatic ingredients are examples of volatile aromatic compounds that can add a lot of depth to a cocktail. And the tricky thing about these herbal molecules is that they can easily turn against you, especially if you heat them. So instead of boiling things like pine or hops or lavender, try briefly infusing them into a spirit or muddling them into your drink fresh so that you can capture the essence of the earth without bringing out some of the bitter or astringent qualities that come from heating or infusing too long. To round out this episode, I'm going to offer my take on the most unusual combination of ingredients I've ever seen used in a cocktail. And to be honest, this was probably the most memorable cocktail I've ever had, period. It was DC bartender Lucas Smith's creation at the 2015 Repeal Day Ball, which is an awesome event in early December that celebrates the repeal of the Volstead Act, which ended prohibition. And the concept for this cocktail was, wait for it, ants on a log. That's right, the classic children's snack that entails filling a celery stick with peanut butter and then lining up raisins in the goop. So, how did Lucas execute this? Well, it was pretty awesome. He started with scotch, and to that he added a peanut-washed Madeira, which is a type of port. So we've got our peanut and our raisin covered, and the raisin being kind of one of the primary flavors of the Madeira. And then he topped it all off with celery foam. Now, this cocktail is essentially just a Rob Roy, which is a two-to-one ratio of scotch to sweet vermouth. He swapped out the sweet vermouth for the Madeira and then added that celery foam to add a body and the vegetal components, and bam! It blew my mind then, and it blows my mind now just thinking about how it only takes a few steps to turn a traditional Rob Roy into your favorite childhood snack. I hope the strange ingredients in this episode have inspired you to try out your own experiments with unusual cocktail components. And if you do, be sure to tag us on social media so that we can check out all your awesome creations. Thanks to our guests today for their inspiration, and I'm sure they'd love to hear from you as well. Cheers, folks. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. I just want to remind you that this episode might be over but the journey and the discussion are just beginning. If you're excited about the content in this or any other episode, please tell us. Follow us on Instagram at Modern Bar Cart for recipes and great product tips, or stalk me personally at Quixologist. That's Q-U-I-X-ologist. You can also like us on Facebook by searching Modern Bar Cart, or hit us up directly via email by sending a note to podcast at modernbarcart.com. That email address, by the way, is also the one that you should use if you've got any cocktail or home bartending related questions you'd like us to address, or if you think you have a unique perspective on the cocktail world and would like to be interviewed for all to hear. I'll see you next time, but until then, drink responsibly and experiment boldly. Mm-hmm.